I'm still not called local, but uh, only only Julia can get that in Honduras. We can't get that here in uh, Lake Placid. When we came here six years ago, we had AT&T on our phones, and we had had it long enough that we were part of a legacy program that gave us unlimited data for life. And it was really, really hard to change networks. Well, it wasn't so hard because none of you could get a hold of me. Um, but it was important to be in Verizon. And, and you've all heard the story of why Verizon is here. We actually took our friends that were with us at the beginning of the week on the boat tour. And we drove by one of the former vice presidents of Verizon's home and we're told the story again that he is the reason that we have Verizon here. And uh, the legend goes that there was a medical emergency and he didn't have coverage, so he called up the company and told him put in another tower. When we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we change networks. You know, before we were in this network where we kind of did things on our own and There was this voice that we heard sometimes and we did what he said, but for the most part, we weren't on the same network. But the Word of God tells us that when we become a Christian, that all of a sudden we're tied into this thing called the Holy Spirit, and we're on the Holy Spirit network. But we have to tie in. We have to make sure we're on network because we we just don't automatically do that. Sometimes even though we're on Verizon, so to speak, we still think we're on AT&T and we act as such. And so as we are beginning to fold the end of the book of Ephesians together, we spent three chapters just talking about the nuances and the gloriousness of this grace that we received. And then in light of that grace, We were told in chapters 4 and 5 and into 6 that there was a way that we were supposed to walk in light of that grace. And now he's going to change posture on us. He's telling us. He has one last thing to say. And so he says, finally, finally, this is what I want you to do. This is the last thing that I want you to do. And it's interesting because in this, he speaks of a different posture. Before he wanted to be us in motion, he wanted grace to send us in motion. Grace to be the thing. But he he has one area that he felt like he really needed to talk to about. And he said the word finally as he began that. Well, let's take a look at it. Finally, he says, over and over again at the end of chapter 6 and verses 10 through 20, he says, finally, I want you to stand. Now, I don't know about you, but the idea of standing is sometimes hard. I was talking to the parents this morning about disciplining children. And I talked about the hardest discipline we ever did in our house to our children, the one that they hated the most, is when we'd take a piece of paper and we'd fold it in half and we'd put it in the middle of the kitchen. And instead of sending them to the corner, we'd send them to the paper. And they had to stand on the piece of paper. There were many tears at times as one of them would say, not the paper. <laughs> you see, the corner was a road that you could go up and down. Or, you know, you know, the, the little chair that you would sit on, that would be something that you could dangle your legs off and kick up and down. But to stand on that little piece of paper, that's really what he's telling us. 
He's telling us that there is a time spiritually that we need to stand. And that is this last thing that he's going to talk about. Now, I don't know about you, but there are certain times that standing isn't my option. I've been watching all these videos of people that see bears and try to get closer to them. That's not me. You know, we have people that come into the Adirondacks and they're hoping to pet a moose. That's not me. You know, when we used to have iguanas in the backyard in our house in Florida, we had Uncle Fred and and Aunt, Aunt Peggy. That was what we named them. And Uncle Fred was about six feet long. And when he was in the backyard, I didn't go pet him. I didn't even want to stand near him. Occasionally, you'd be driving the mower or something through the backyard, and you hear this, and I would just freak out. But he's telling us this final thing that he wants us to do. He says, finally, one last thing I want you to do. I want you to stand on the spiritual piece of paper. I want you to stand on what you're learning I want you to stand. You see, you're in a different network now, and I'm going to explain how that network works to you. That's what he's going to do in this passage. But he says that the thing that we need to do is stand. And he gives us four commands that go along with standing. So we'll take a look at those today. First he says, he wants us to stand in God's strength. He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You know, our power... Our source of energy is not ourselves. I think that this is one of the things that gets so many people in trouble. The whole book of Galatians is written to a group of people that thought they had to work out their faith without the Spirit of God. He's telling us that we're supposed to be strong what? We're supposed to be strong in the Lord. So there are going to be times that you're going to feel weak and you're not going to want to stand anymore and you're going to have to go to the Lord. God, you're going to have to help me stand. It's going to be like Moses in the Old Testament who was supposed to stand and raise his arms, right? And it got hard. And so he had to say, Caleb, can you help me out a little bit here? God is calling us to be people that stand. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Not in our own strength, I take a look at this week that we're coming into right now, this week of Iron Man and all the different activities and all the things that are going on, and this is a very interesting time to be told to stand on the piece of paper. But there is a sense that there is so much of life that we cannot do in our own strength. And you find yourself saying, I cannot do this anymore, and God's saying, that's good. But I want you to stand in my strength. You remember what? Paul said in other passages, what did he say? In my weakness, you are strong. So stand. Finally stand in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So the first thing we're supposed to do is we're supposed to stand in his strength. The second thing he says is we're supposed to stand battle ready. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God. You need to underline that in your Bible. Whole armor. Because I think that we sometimes think of the armor as accessories. And we try to think, okay, which one do I need now? Okay, I need the sword today. You know? You know, we're that way. We, we live in this part of the country where it's always about making sure you put on the right things, but not too much, you know? Because you can put on too much and get too hot, or you can, you know, that's kind of how we live. 
You know, when you go hiking, you, you don't think of what are all the things that I can bring with so I can carry a, a 40-pound pack on this day hike. No, you try to think of what you need. And so there is this thing. But this is not what this passage is saying. It says when we stand, we stand with the full armor of God on. And why do we stand? We stand battle ready because we're in a battle. That's what it tells us that, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We are in a battle every day. There are certain days that you think you're battling your boss or you think you're battling your children or, or your spouse or, or your neighbor. Or, and we've got to remember that the real battle is always spiritual. And we naively sometimes forget that. And we give ourselves certain days where we don't think we need to wear the full armor. There is no cop in New York City that any day goes, I just don't feel like wearing my vest today. They wear it every day. They're battle ready every day. We need to be ready every day because Satan's schemes are going to take place every single day. In fact, he's organized. This is what Paul tells us as we read in the next verse. It says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And there are going to be times that you're going to feel like you're wrestling against flesh and blood and you give it a name and it, it shouldn't have a name. You should realize that the reason there's a struggle today is because Satan is very alive and he wants to take people down. Have you ever watched bad sports? People that are bad sportsmen in games? They know their team isn't going to win, but they are so jealous of the winners that what do they do sometimes? They take out the winner, don't they? They, they, they say, if I can't win, at least I can injure them so they can't win as well. Satan knows he's defeated. If he reads it all, Revelation says that he is completely defeated. But he's grumpy and he's a bad sport. And he's not alone. He has a whole team of grumpy, bad sports with him. And they're organized. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities, against cosmic powers over this, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We have got to remember that there's a battle. And we've got to be battle ready. Why? Because Satan is always scheming. And he's good at it. He looks at you and he says, you know what? I remember in the 14th century, there was a guy that had a very similar personality. What did we do to him? Well, these were the things that worked for him. Well, let's try those. And they're not working. So when the demon says, you know, I remember in the 17th century, they're always scheming. They're always trying to make sure we're distracted and defeated. So we need to be battle-ready we need to be ready, battle ready for another reason. For therefore, take up what? The whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all else to stand firm. You know what? Some days are evil. Have you ever had an evil day? A day where you just sensed the spiritual battles and it was an evil day. And this word is telling us that there are going to be days like that. You know? Mama said there would be days like something. But Paul said there's going to be days like this and they're going to be evil. And so we need to be ready. We need to be ready because sometimes it's just going to be an evil day. It's going to be a day where you just sense the darkness and the battle around you. 
And do you know what you're going to want to do when you feel like it's that kind of a day? You're going to want to run. You're going to want to run somewhere. You're going to want to escape. And do you know what he tells us to do? Stand on your piece of paper. You need to stand. You need to stand firm. It says, and when you've done everything, uh, uh, the NIV says, and when you've done everything else, stand. Boy, that, there's that, that flight part of our personalities that does not want to do this. But we need to understand that if we understand all the graces that we've been talking about, and if we've been doing this walk that is worthy, then all of a sudden we have this ability to stand because of the information we have about the God. What did we learn early in Ephesians? How much is underneath Jesus' feet? Everything is underneath His feet. So when He says you need to stand, that's okay. Yes, we need to flee evil, and we need to flee sin. But God is calling us in this spiritual battle, He's calling us to stand and to stand. When you've done everything else, you're supposed to stand. Why can we do that? We can do that because we are spiritually protected. Now, the goal here is to learn to wear the whole armor. I remember one pastor who said, I want you to think about wearing the whole armor of God. So when you go to bed, I want you to think about the shoe that you're going to wear the next day. And he says, I want you to take one of those shoes and I want you to throw it underneath your bed. And throw it under there far enough that you just can't reach it easy. And he says, and the next morning when you're reaching down to get that shoe, you need to pray. Because then you're in the right posture to be battle ready. You need to pray. And you need to make sure you're putting on the full armor of God. Okay? And so it's interesting, uh, one of the commentaries I read, and I thought, you know, that's true. He says, there's an order to putting on these things. Have you ever watched people that put clothes on in the wrong order and it just kind of drives you nuts? You know, they, they, you know there's, there's an order to things. And so the first thing that tells us to do if we're going to put on the armors is stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth and putting on the breastplate of righteousness do you know why we have to wear the belt of truth because we don't want our spiritual pants to fall down that's why we wear them you know it tucks it all in this is what a soldier would do when they would put on their armor, they wore, you know, the guys wore kind of like tunics or little dresses, I guess. And what they literally would do is they'd reach to the back side of the tunic and pull it up. And when they put their belt on, they'd put it underneath there. So they basically were creating some gym shorts for themselves so they wouldn't get tangled up. And so the first thing that we need to put on is the belt of what? Truth. You know what? Truth isn't just an idea. Truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We need to be willing to make sure that we're asking God to renew our minds so we understand what the truth is. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, that covers our heart, that protects our heart. And is it our own righteousness that we're putting on? No, it's the gift from the cross the righteousness that we did not deserve, that He gave us as a gift, we put that on. So we, we make sure we have the truth cinched around our, our waist. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. And then it goes on and it tells us that we are to put on shoes for your feet. 
Okay? We don't go into battle barefoot. I know they did that on Braveheart, but we don't do that. We put on our foot. And what kind of shoes do we put on? Having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The, the reason that we can stand is because God, through the gospel, has put our feet at rest. Rest, right? That's why we can stand. It, it changes us. And that's why he spent chapter after chapter in the beginning of Ephesians talking about the graces, right? Because he wanted us to understand what we were standing in. He goes on and he says that there's more that we wear. In all circumstances, what? See, this is where we get kind of interesting. I got to tell you that I'm a person that sometimes thinks that if I'm just driving from my house to the church, that I can listen to that little ding, ding, ding of the seatbelt thing because I'm not really going that far. You know? One day, I, I think the Hartmans were nice enough to see me getting picked up for this. Um, I was driving down the road, and I was just going to the drugstore, so it didn't seem that far, so I didn't really need to. But the policeman explained to me <laughs> that in all circumstances, I'm supposed to wear my seatbelt. <laughs> That's what God is saying to us in his words. He says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. And you know what? The shield kind of feels like it's optional. We get the armor piece, you know? And we get the fact that we should probably wear a belt. We get that. But, you know, carrying a shield around? Why do we need the shield? With which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. Have you ever been just kind of surprised by something somebody said and it just zings to your heart? It might be because you weren't carrying your shield. God, help me in all circumstances to carry the shield because James chapter 3 says the tongue is a fire. It's a poison. It, it can affect me. And I need to protect myself. And so I need to take my shield. But there's more. And it says take up the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. We have to remind ourselves. You know, so the people that came and visited us are huge Notre Dame fans. What is one of the things that signifies the Notre Dame football team? Their helmet. If some other team tries to have just a straight gold helmet, we, what do we say? You're copying Notre Dame, right? There are certain things that when you watch other things change, teams change, you go, wait, wait, you can't do that. That's, that's the wrong color. When I was a kid, my mom bought me a coat, and it was it was it was orange. It was an orange pre-puffy coat kind of that we wore back then. You know, remember those big down things that looked like a sleeping bag that had sleeves in them? And she wanted me to have a hat that matched it. So she bought me a Cleveland Browns stocking cap in North Dakota where everybody wears purple because they're Vikings fans. And I'm just like, Mom, I can't wear this hat to school. Well, it matches your coat. <laughs> we need to wear our helmet of salvation partially to remind us of whose team we're on. It signifies 
where we're at in the, the battle. This year, the, the groups from Ironman are coming, and one of the things they asked me to do, and, and we saved up money to do it, is they all wanted to wear hats. Because the day of Ironman, when they're out on the course, they look like every other volunteer, except for we have hats that say, love God, love people, love sports. And on the back it says, Lake Placid Baptist Church. They're supposed to wear their helmet of salvation so that people can tell what's going on. Some of you are experiencing brain damage because you're not wearing your spiritual helmet. But we need to remember that. And then the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And usually when I do this, I I bring out my tape measure and I say, you know, if we're not spending much time in the Word, we don't have a very long sword. And so we're allowing Satan much more proximity to us. But all of this involves truth, doesn't it? It involves girding ourselves in truth. It it involves shielding ourselves in truth. It, It involves putting our head under our head truth. It's all about truth and it all comes out of God's Word. And if you're not reading God's Word... You're not battle ready. We're supposed to put on the full armor of God. And I tell you what, sometimes it's not easy to carry the full armor around. We're we're trying to look for Christian armor light. And we rationalize that we don't need the whole things, but he says to wear all of the armor, the whole armor of God. Why? Not only do we need to wear the armor, but it says we need to be in communication. You know, we drove to Tupper yesterday, and there is this period of time when you're driving to Tupper, if you have your phone out, you watch the little bars go down. And then all of a sudden it says, no service. And basically what it's telling you is, you are not connected to the network. When I drove from North Dakota to South Dakota, there was a period of time where we had no service. In fact, it got so bad that we drove for almost an hour and the GPS didn't even work. There was no satellite connection in that part. Some of us are, are not realizing that we, um, we're living in the Adirondacks and yet we think, hey, you know what? I can get by with AT&T. I've, I've had... Newer people from the South come up and they go, well, we, we just really like our phones, so we're just going to get by with AT&T. And then I just said, well, then you don't even ha- all you have is an answering machine that you carry in your pocket. You don't really have a phone because people aren't going to be able to get a hold of you. You see, there's one other thing that we need to do. And that last thing we need to do is we need to be spiritually connected. Okay, so we need to stand and we need to have the full armor on as we stand. We need to stand not on our own strength, but in God's strength. We need to realize that we're always in this battle. But the last thing that it tells us to do is to be spiritually connected. And it says this, pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayers and supplications. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. You notice the word all there? I underlined it for you to help you see it. But here's the bottom line. is God is calling us to be connected. So if, if we could somehow have a screen to our spiritual life, there should be one thing that says, you know, you know, it's kind of funny to me if I think about this for a second, 
the first thing that I do when I get a phone is I spend another $30 to $40 to buy protection for my phone. I buy a case for my phone. Then not only that now, because they're so fragile, I also buy a special piece of glass for the top of my phone. So I maybe spend 50, 60 bucks on my phone. Why? Because I want it to be protected. And so many people in their Christian lives are paying more attention to the protection of their phone than they are to their own personal spiritual protection. (laughs) But when you look at the phone, it tells you whether or not you're connected to the network. It says here that we're supposed to pray at all times. We're supposed to be communicating with God at all times in the Spirit. And I was like, you know, that's an interesting phrase. What does that phrase mean? Okay, it says, uh, one author put it this way, and I thought it was really good, and I started thinking about it, and I said, yeah, that, 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 that's the difference. When we pray in the Spirit, we move in the direction of what the Spirit wants, but when we pray without the Spirit, we're praying and saying, dear God, please fix this. Dear God, I want this different. Dear God, I'm not having a good time. You're dear, you, do you understand the difference? There is this sense that all of a sudden, when the Spirit draws us in, all of a sudden we see things differently as we stand on our little piece of paper and we can handle it different. We think, God, you are sovereign. God, because you are sovereign, nothing that's happening today, although it may be a surprise to me, is a surprise to you. And you ought to love for me. And James, it tells me that you plan every single event in every single one of my days so that I can be absolutely the person that you want me to be. And so as I stand on my little piece of paper here, as I stand for you, you out of your love for me will not let anything come into my life. And so God, please help me as I speak to you. Help me understand this. Oh, your word says that if I lack wisdom, you'll give me wisdom so that I'll understand all things. I need to just stand on my piece of paper and I need to come to you and I need to say, God, help me in my life understand what's going on. Help me to stay spiritually connected. Oh, look, as I stay spiritually connected to you, I have more bars. The signal comes in better. You download better into my life. I am completely different as I just stay on my piece of paper. But when I'm running away from my piece of paper... I'm running away from you, God. I'm running away from what you planned for me, what you thought was best for me. I'm just running away. I'm going, dear God, what are you thinking? I just need to get out of here. Dear God, there's no way I could do this. And he's going behind us. I know. I know there's no way. Would you? Could you just stand still so I can do it? You, you've watched little kids do that. I need help. Well, you've got to stand still or I can't help you the last command in Ephesians was about praying staying connected and look what Paul wants him to do and also for me pray that the words given to me would open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains my piece of paper is in the chains right now then I may declare it boldly as I, I ought to speak. So here we go. We are challenged as we close the book of Ephesians to stand in his strength, to be battle ready, to be 
fully spiritually protected and completely spiritually connected. But when you look at the spiritual screen of your iPhone or your Pixel phone or your Android phone, what are those little things telling you at the top? What's the signal strength look between you and God? Are you even on his network? You know, does it say Holy Spirit there or does it say, nope, it's just you. (laughs) You're living in the flesh. Because God is calling us to stand. And that's a hard command. You know what? He's not even calling us to advance. Did you think of that? We can't advance, but God can. If we are willing to stand and trust in him, there's going to be amazing things he does as he advances his kingdom. But we need just to learn to stand still. Let's pray. God, I pray for us today, and I I pray that we would learn to stand, that we would learn to trust you, that we would learn to be connected, that we would stop seeing parts of the armor of God as optional, and we would work to be fully equipped each day and fully armored, battle-ready. And God, teach us to move beyond just simply praying our agenda but as we stand to trust in your agenda and stay connected with you and communicate with you in all things. We pray this in the strong name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. So I, I, here's my encouragement to you this week. When you go home today, I want you to take a piece of paper And I want you to fold it in half. And I want you to put it in the middle of your kitchen. And I want you to hear the sweet, still voice of the God who loves you so very much that just wants you to stand still so He can do what only He can do. Let's stand together as we close. Please be praying for our teams as they come. Please be praying for yourselves that you realize the life that we're supposed to live and the way that we're supposed to stand. Thank you all for being here today. God bless you on this wonderful, warm July day. May the Lord continue to teach you to stand for him. God bless you. Have a great day.